Adam Crowley Show. I mean, I cannot believe the kind of nonsense that I am hearing right now. On ESPN Pittsburgh, 970 AM and 106.3 FM. It's a new hour. That segment is behind us. Infighting is done. Going to have to take a mulligan on that one. There's a slice. Tim Benz wants Phil Kessel to talk. Phil is not your name. Tim, you're dealing with all the peeps on Twitter right now, aren't you? Oh, the defenders of all things Penguin Nation, yes. Um... You know, it is funny how that works, isn't it, Adam? Like, it's there are some people in the media that will tie themselves into a pretzel to figure out a way to guard against any sort of criticism for the Penguins, even if it's something that they might criticize a Penguin for if somebody else tried to defend them. You know what I mean? Yes. I, well, look, here, here's the deal. I've been really light on the Penguins since they lost. Uh, I have not been killing them at all, but here's one criticism I have had. I don't care that Phil Kessel didn't talk, and it's just because I don't. Uh, I'm not going to care if people care. I just can't care. I don't care, so I don't. But I think that because Mike Sullivan didn't say anything about the injury, it doesn't mean that he wasn't hurt. When Jim Rutherford says something with his candidates, he is, I think it does mean something. So I think Phil was hurt. I think Mike Sullivan's not saying anything because he's pissed that Phil didn't take time off during the regular season, and that's where I fall on this whole thing. And I'm mad yeah, that yeah, Phil... Yeah, exactly, yeah. and that's the last part yeah. that I agree yeah. with, too. Hey, look, I, I, I'm not really all that bent out of shape that he didn't talk, aside from the fact that everybody else did. You know, like, what makes him so special that he didn't have to take the questions that Matt Murray, Chris Tang, and Ole Mata did? Like, those guys are getting killed, too, right? Um, you know, the only two other two guys that I can think of that didn't talk were Malkin and Haglin. Haglin might have, and I just missed him. And if he didn't, it might have had something to do with the fact that he just had a kid. So I'm not going to go down that path. And geez, at least Gino talked after the game the night before, two nights before. Castle didn't. So I don't know why people who love to defend all things Penguin are aligning themselves with somebody who went outside the bounds of what every other Penguin did. To me, that sounds counterintuitive if you're going to be one of the great guardians of the emblem. I don't get that. Um, now, Phil Kessel has never said anything interesting in his life, so it's not like he would have given us all that much anyway. So if he doesn't talk, whatever. Uh, I just kind of stumbled into this heated debate that seems to be going on within media circles. And by the way, the great irony of a lot of this is, from what I've seen, most of the criticism of Kessel not talking and most of the defense of Kessel not talking is being done from people that are either never in the locker room or at the very least weren't there on a locker cleanout day. It's, it's hilarious. The people that, for the most part, are doing the sniping back and forth are largely those who are either never there or at least weren't there on that day. So I do have a bit of a problem with that. Damn it, I'm never there. Neither's Dunlap. I wasn't there that day. I don't think I went to a Penguin game all season. Crap. Okay, well, but I guess my point is, for those that think that you can't have the opinion that Kessel should talk because the fans want to know, 
obviously the fans want to know or else it wouldn't be such a tinderbox issue, right? And, and what would be, and, and again, for the people who love to defend all things Phil, what would be more fair then? Should I just lambaste the guy for playing like crap in the postseason? I mean, if that's how you want it, if I can't talk about the injury because I've been given no information about it, I'll just say he sucked. Now, now which one is more like Toronto? Which one is more like Boston? And that's where this all comes from, Adam. Let's not confuse this with anything else. This is a media core, or in the cases of a lot of people that are making comments, a fringe media core that aren't there in person in the first place, that, and a fan base that wraps itself in the shroud of being holier than thou and better than everybody else because we've been nicer and more fair to fill than Boston or Toronto. Well, you know what? Now the pendulum has swung the other direction. Now we're being too protective of them. Matt Murray took a lot of crap from a lot of people. He'd rather be burned alive than talk to the media. He answered every question throughout the playoffs. I don't think Chris Letang particularly enjoys the process. He answered every, even some awkward questions about being traded, he answered. You know, what? And I think you're right about the other point about Sullivan, too. And that's another reason why it should have been addressed, I think, from Castle publicly. Because is, look at Derek Broussard. Derek Broussard flat out admitted that playing through his injury made it worse for him in the playoffs. He pushed it. He came back too fast. Did Kessel augment that injury by not sitting out due to the Ironman streak? And is that a topic of conversation he's trying to avoid by not speaking? I think it is. Well, in defense of Phil Kessel, I'll bend over backwards to defend him, Tim. What if he thinks to himself, I'm not going to do any good by talking because I'm just not good at it. Maybe he thinks he's going to get twisted into a pretzel having to answer all the questions from the media. Crystal Tang's doing it in a second language. And so is Gino. What does that mean? Well, Gino what didn't. Is? Well, he did not. We did the night before. He did so after the game anyway, yeah. at least after game six. Phil Kessel likes it here because Phil Kessel doesn't have to be the guy. And if Phil Kessel's not the guy and he wants to not be that guy by being the guy that he's being, then I can be behind that as me being this guy. Well, the guy answers every question, every day, every practice, every game, and had to do it on behalf of Kessel to a degree because Kessel wasn't there. I'm talking about Crosby. Do you think that bothers? Do you think it bothers the guys in the locker room? He wasn't there. I don't know. I I, I don't know. I mean, I like for instance, the closest analogy I can draw that I know where it has bothered people is like for instance, this year it bothered you know like. Ramon Foster, you could tell, was getting upset that he was constantly having to answer Mark Tavis and Le'Veon Bell questions. Now, was it to that degree? No, I don't think so. Um, and Sid has this, you know, unbelievable ability to compartmentalize and understand what he does. What he does publicly is for the good of all things for the team and for the league. That I don't think he cares. I, I think he's numb to it at this point. He just thinks it's part of the job, and he feels an obligation to do it. Bill shouldn't have to feel that same obligation that Sidney Crosby does. But I think on that day, to wrap up the season, to know you're not going to have to deal with anybody for the next, what, four months, I don't think it's asking too much. Because if you're, if you're just going to leave me to my own devices and not tell me anything about the injury, fine, I'll just say you stunk. And fine, I'll just say then that I think you played through the injury because you're, you're concerned about the stupid Ironman streak. And you should have sat out during the end of the regular season. And frankly, I get the hint that the coach feels that way too. Yeah, well, that's exactly what happened. Uh, I get the sense that that's what the coach thinks. And uh, the general manager, when he says he's hurt, makes me know he's hurt. 
And whenever you know he's hurt and was still playing, and Mike Sullivan answers it the way he does, well, well that's you know, just it. That's just it, Adam. I mean, what did he? How did he help himself here? Well, I, I, but is hey, people want to give him a break? That's my point. If he comes out and says, "Yeah, I was hurt. I was trying to play through," just like Derek Broussard did. All of a sudden, Broussard's become a little bit more um, sympathetic because now we know the injury was greater than we thought. You know, all he did was make it worse and create a secondary conversation that Phil likes to set himself apart from everybody else. That wouldn't have been the case if he came out and talked for four minutes. Well, that is true. But Phil's clearly not comfortable with the media, and I realize that most feel like that's part of the job, and maybe it is part of the job. It's one of the reasons they didn't like him in Toronto, but what if he just says F you to all that? And In fact, he is saying F you to all that. He doesn't like that part. He wants to play hockey. He doesn't love to do all the off-ice stuff either. It is Phil Kessel being Phil Kessel. So if we crush him for it, fine. If not, fine. That's just the way it's going to be with Phil. Okay, but but then Adam, then when when does it come down to you know like Jen and Jason and the guys and the women and men in the PR department for the Pittsburgh Penguins? Oh, how do they do their jobs then? You know, like I mean, they they have to make some of these guys talk. You know, there are rules that mandate these guys have to make themselves available on occasion. I don't know exactly what it is, not the Pro Hockey Writers Association, but they have to make themselves available on occasion. So what Phil's supposed to be able to say that he's never going to talk, and then Gino gets to say it, and then Latang gets to say it, and then what, Crosby's talking for everybody? Tim, that's a slippery slope, my friend. You know it. I know it. So why not just show up for four minutes and then the whole conversation? Well, no, it's the, it's the slippery slope argument. That's not that's not what happened though, and that's not what's happening here. Phil Kessel didn't talk. Most well, everyone else you did. Asked the question though, you just asked the question. You just said why why should why should he have to do it if he's not comfortable? Because the other guys aren't comfortable and they have to do it too. Well, maybe they're not as uncomfortable with it. Well, oh well, poor Phil. Phil's okay. I mean, $6.8 million. Stand out there for four minutes and answer why he didn't play well. Really, eight. Sorry, 6.8. You're right. Hey, Tim. Was that it? Are we done already? No, we should tear down some uh, some other apologists. How's that sound? Okay, go ahead. Okay, so Tim Williams and Alan Saunders of PiratesProspects.com have been beating the drum about how smart the Pirates are for getting rid of an aging player in Andrew McCutcheon and bringing in a great player, a younger player, at the same position in Corey Dickerson. And, man, is that just intellectually dishonest. The Pirates backed into Corey Dickerson. They did not mean for that to happen. It wound up falling in their laps. They got their PR guy. Oh, look, we are trying to win. Look how smart we are. When in reality, no, they just fell bass-ackwards into a great player. Well, first of all, I don't know what those two guys individually wrote before. Like, I don't remember what they had written about Cutch when the trade happened. Uh, I think that if they're doing that, then they're conflating two issues, to be frank with you. Um, and I think that there's a lot of preemptive announcing that the Pirates have gotten over here. You know what I mean? Like, it is May, right? I mean, they're 21 and 16. That's great, but... It, do we know that Corey Dickerson's going to wind up at 323 in late September? No. I mean, what, if, what, if, what if he winds up at 262 with, like, no power production or the rest of the way or, you know, turns out to be a marginal player? You know, to, to sort of signal victory, that's what they're doing, and I don't know the exact, you know, that's what they're doing. Lines I'll their, say it. They're, 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 they're talking about. Yeah. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no, no. That's what they're doing. I'll, I'll say it. That's what they're doing. Okay, well, then that's ridiculous because there's still so much time left in the season. You can't declare victory. And the other thing about it is I, I bet you those two guys, as there are a lot of other pirate defenders out there, 
would be the first to say if Kutch was still on this baseball team, hey, look, here he goes. It's May, eight-game hitting streak, crappy April, starting to turn it around like he always does. So what, now we're going to declare victory because he got off to a slow April start? Are we really going to be that transparent about arguing both sides of the coin? Come on. Well, let's be right. Let's be real here, Tim. Even if he does continue to hit as well as he has all season long, Corey Dickerson, and winds up hitting you know, three twenty three with thirty bombs or something like that, it doesn't mean that the Pirates made the right decision uh, when they decided to move Kutch. They moved Kutch because they were cheap. They brought Dickerson in because it was good value. But when they moved Kutch, they didn't know there was going to be a, a Corey Dickerson there waiting for them. That was the first week of training ca- or spring training. Uh, so yeah, I guess you're, what you're what you're saying basically is there's a difference between fixing the problem and creating it in the first place. Correct. Like uh, yeah, like, like they tried to do the Garrett Cole thing with Andrew McCutcheon. They didn't find Garrett Cole's cheap replacement sitting there in their lap, so they didn't get that guy. They did find the cheap replacement for Andrew McCutcheon, and they decided to pounce on it. Correct. I, I agree with all that. You're right. Yay, we agree now. Okay, good. Because I don't want to talk about the Kessel stuff anymore. Well, it's all right if we disagree, Adam. I mean, you and I are largely in agreement on a lot of things, but we disagree about Kessel, and we disagree about your need to have someone shirtless in your cheese tees every afternoon. Tom looks good, but we are trying to nip that in the bud. Are you starting to catch some heat for it online or something? Or people no. wondering what kind of show they're actually listening to? Or what's what's the story? I think people are and always have been wondering what the hell show they're listening to. Uh, and it doesn't change whenever Tom takes his shirt off. Tom has promised me he's shirtless right now as I'm on the phone just to make me feel as uncomfortable as possible. Is that accurate? You want me to send you a picture? Yeah. Okay. I'll send you one as I talk. Uh, Tim. We're gonna, we're, I'll probably I'll leave the phone unmuted on the other end so that I can hear it click when it comes in. All right. I'm actually going to take the picture. And I'm going to tweet it to you. That way everyone knows that this is real. Oh, yeah. Put it on Twitter while you're talking to me. So why don't you ask me something that I can give a long, drawn-out answer to so you can properly execute taking of said picture and the posting on said social media account. Well, all I was going to say, Tim, is that you're coming at me with a lot of good points on the Kessel thing, things that I can't personally disagree with. Yet I just, I I don't know. I can't work myself up. And I know you're not working yourself up where you're mad. But I'm not. But isn't that, isn't that what pisses like, you off? Isn't that what makes you mad, though? People saying it's, it's, that you are pissed off? Yeah, and I got a little of that. Adam Gretz tried to make it sound like I was deeply offended by this. Oh, I'm not guy. the one that's deeply offended by it. Like, I, I saw the exchange that he was having. He was basically mad at something that Colin Dunlap said, but he made it sound like it was a bunch of us in the media who felt that way. And, you know, and, and he's also speaking on behalf of every fan. Fans don't care about this. Fans don't care about this. Really? Really? So, like, when, when I was playing softball last night, like, five guys I talked to as soon as I got them done, what was wrong with Kessel the entire playoffs? Are they not fans? Do they not care? Well, because your fans don't care. Or you, well, all right, I'm going to cut right to the chase. This is exactly what this is, Adam. This is a lot of guys who want to pander to the lovey-lovey, kissy-kissy Penguin fan base and make it sound like they're defending the team against the mean, nasty, mainstream media. That's what this is. This is... I'm going to look like I'm standing up for a forlorn player, defend him so I can get likes and retweets. That's what this is, period. I love Phil Kessel. And I, I can't. Got a notification. Is this from you? This is from me. And I can't stand to hear you tear him down, Timothy. Okay, I see the photo right now. Why does 
Tom look like he's in pain with his shirt off in yeah. this photo here? Well, it, it, Katie might be goosing him from the angle of this picture. I was just about picture. to say, let me rephrase that entirely. Why does Katie look to be so happy to be in a room with Tom shirtless? That might be the greater question. Oh, Tom's funny. I think that's a lot of it. Uh, Tim, I've done a terrible job this segment. Thank you for coming on. Why do you think you did a terrible job? Just because we disagreed? No, because I wanted to disagree better, but I don't. I, I don't have it. I don't have it today. Not for that topic. I, sh- I want to disagree with you about something that I care about. Okay, what do you care about? Besides from Tom's left nipple, which everybody should care about, based on what I'm looking at right here. You watch golf at all? I hate golf. No, I don't care about golf. So now we're even. You son of a bitch. Golf's a beautiful game. Perfect. We nailed it. Bye, Adam. See you, Tim. I told you I didn't want to talk about it. At least I got to take that picture. I don't know why that picture's so much bigger than the cheese teeth. It's weird. It almost looks like one of those old high school pictures, you know, like the silhouette where you have like your front and then in the back there's like a silhouette of you like standing in the same outfit. That's a weird picture. It's kind of eerie. I don't know where Katie's left hand is. I don't either. I love our job. Yeah. Me too. Tom is kind of sexy. We talk ball. Like in a dad belly kind of way. With Lance Lizowski of DKPittsburghSports.com next. It's a Crowley Show. So to recap my takes from today. Phil was hurt, and I know that because I believe Jim Rutherford. And I am a little bit mad at Phil because Mike Sullivan didn't talk about the injury. Josh Yowie told us that people in the organization are mad that Phil puts his streak ahead of the team. I take that to mean that Mike Sullivan's mad at Phil, which makes me mad a little bit at Phil. Phil, take a day off. Heal up, pal. And then go play hockey. It's not an effort thing. It's a hurt thing. The other take I got going on is that the Pirates shouldn't be praised for having gotten rid of McCutcheon and bringing in Corey Dickerson because when they got rid of McCutcheon, it was only to be cheap. It looks like they weren't being cheap because they bring in a younger player who's a better player. But that was an accident. Joining us now to discuss the baseball side of things is Lance Lizowski of DKPittsburghSports.com. We have not been paying attention to baseball at all here on the Crowley Show over the last couple of months. We do so starting today. It's been a while, Lance. How are you? Thanks for coming on. <laughs> it has been a while. I'm doing all right. Yeah, everyone said that it's the start of baseball season. I've been at it for four months now. So, yeah, it's been going on. Are you already burnt out? Are you already tired? Do you need some time off already, Lance? Nah, I'm doing all right. Um, I just got back from Chicago. I mean, hey, off day today, off day Monday, but I'm not looking forward to what's going to happen at PNC Park tomorrow night. I will be honest with everybody. Well, let's start right there, baby. Why aren't you looking forward to it? McCutcheon's coming back. Well, Adam, when when these events happen, everybody comes out of the woodwork and with, with their TV cameras and their hot take questions. And, um, of course, there will be some interesting ones tomorrow night. And all the players kind of disappear, and it's it's quite the scene. Oh, no. Okay, I know exactly what's going on here. We start off with this segment talking about how we haven't talked about baseball in a long time. Nobody's talked about baseball in a long time. You've been out there, so it bothers you that now everyone's hopping on the baseball bandwagon. No, no. It, no, it, I get it. it. I understand. It'll, it'll bother me that we're going to have hot takes about uh, Andrew McCutcheon, what happened in the offseason, and we're going to dig that whole thing up again. And it's not that it comes up, Adam. It's 
the, the ridiculous questions from people that you haven't seen in, in months that have no idea what the, pir- the Pirates record is or even how Andrew McCutcheon is doing in a Giants uniform. <laughs> Since we haven't been paying attention either, can you tell us the Pirates record and how they got to this point? <laughs> well, it is kind of interesting. Um, there, nobody expected them to be a half game out when, when the Giants came into town. Uh, they're one of the best offenses in baseball, and they're they're winning despite having probably mediocre starting pitching, you could say, at this point. Their bullpen really hasn't been good. They're just kind of finding games to win. It's been an odd six weeks or so. They've won on a, a bunt single in the ninth inning. They just came from behind to beat a really terrible White Sox team, White Sox team twice in, uh, in Chicago. They've won every series against a division opponent. Yes, you know, it's they're, they're finding offense without Andrew McCutcheon. Corey Dickerson's been really good. Josh Bell and Gregory Polanco haven't been, but still, they're, they're kind of finding ways to win games. It is only one month of the season. They've kind of gotten lucky by facing teams at a pretty opportune time, too. Well, and you need that. And over the last couple of years, even when the Pirates were good, they didn't start off all that well in April. So at least this is welcome. And the way that the wild card's set up, if you're battling for a second wild card, if you hang around 500, at least the summer's going to be fun for a little while because you can say that you're in the race. So the good start absolutely helps there. I want to focus on one thing you just said, uh, that Bell and Polanco haven't exactly lived up to expectations, yet the offense, I think, is second in the National League and runs scored. So I think Pirates fans all can get excited about the fact that well, those guys might not all have great seasons or both have great seasons. You'd expect them to at least average out to their mean, which should be a boon for an offense that's already been pretty good. Yeah, I think Bell will be fine. Polanco, Polanco is what Polanco is. He's going to drive in some runs, but he's going to have those long streaks where he just looks terrible. And when Gregory Polanco is bad or he makes a mistake in the field, it looks just so much worse than anybody else because he's a lanky guy who – can be very awkward. He's not the most athletic player, actually. Uh, the thing that's going to be interesting to monitor is can Francisco Cervelli stay healthy and continue hitting the ball the way he is? Uh, this is really the one thing that's caught me by surprise. Uh, he hasn't been healthy the last couple of years, hasn't really hit for power at all for much of his career, but now he's one of their you know biggest run producers. Corey Dickerson's been really good since I got him. Starling Marte, this is the best he looked, I think, in his entire career, just the consistency at the plate. He's actually walking, which has never happened before. And they're getting contributions throughout the lineup. You know, Colin Moran's been really good. You know, he can't hit a lefty starting pitcher to save his life, but he's come up with clutch hits as a, as a rookie. And then they've got depth on the bench. I think once Josh Harrison comes back, they actually have a threat at the top of the order. There is a lot of potential here, but you got to wonder if this starting pitching in the bullpen is actually going to be good enough for this team to truly contend against the Cardinals, the Cubs, and, hey, even the Brewers. Do you think Nick Kingham gets a legit chance to hang around for a while this season? Because that is one way to improve internally starting-wise at some point. What still doesn't make any sense to me is their their decision to hand a starting a spot in the rotation to Joe Musgrove when he comes back, Adam. He's been, right. He was really bad as a starter in Houston. I mean, I know that he's kind of the big chip in that Garrett Cole trade, but he was a really good reliever in Houston. Why don't you use him as a really good reliever in Pittsburgh when your bullpen hasn't been all that great? I mean, especially in high-level situations, they need an eighth-inning guy. That's something Joe Musgrove did in the past, and now you have Nick Kingham coming in. Give him a spot in the rotation, and you have you know two guys in roles that they've been su- successful at in the past, but you're putting square pegs and round holes. I just don't get it. I, the potential is there with Musgrove's, but he's never started more than 15 games in a season in AAA. This guy has never been a proven starting pitcher. 
So it, it just boggles my mind. I think at some point, I, either with Musgrove being bad or maybe an injury or maybe Chad Cool even being bad, that Kingham's going to find his way in that rotation for good. Lance Lysowski, DKPittsburghSports.com, joining me here on the Crowley Show. The Pirates were fortunate to have Corey Dickerson land in their laps, and because of the way that Moran's played, it actually doesn't look all that bad that Andrew McCutcheon is no longer here, especially with the way McCutcheon has also played. How surprised are you by the way Corey Dickerson has looked? He's a good player, but he's one of the best players in the National League right now. Yeah, I think the one thing that surprised me, surprised me the most is his defense. I mean, if you look at every advanced metric, he's one of the best defensive players in all of baseball. And that was the one knock against him coming in. Was everyone was wondering, can this guy even play left field in PNC Park? Well, he's done a really nice job at it. And what's another thing that stood out is he was horrible at hitting fastballs the last couple of years in Tampa, even going back to his days in Colorado. Now he's crushing fastballs. He's doing some different things at the plate. He's being aggressive, but he also knows when to kind of work the count. Just a really advanced hitter. Now, I can't imagine what this team would look like if they didn't get Dickerson. You'd have Adam Frazier as your starting left fielder. Oh, You'd have Sean Rodriguez, who's batted 160 in the past year as your starting second baseman. It'd be a disaster. They got lucky. They really got lucky that Corey Dickerson came available at the time that he did and that Tampa was dumb enough to take Daniel Hudson and a, a bad minor league shortstop in return. Uh, last couple of things here for Lance Lysowski of DKPittsburghSports.com. When looking at what the Pirates have in their bullpen, I think you believe in Rivero Vasquez, however you want to uh, name that guy. Uh, other than that, what gives you faith that the Pirates could improve enough to get to a point where they could perhaps be a second wild card contender? Well, I think that you're going to have to see a change in roles at some point. George Contos hasn't been reliable enough in the mm-hmm. eighth inning. You need somebody who's going to be a shutdown late in your reliever. You need a guy with swing and miss stuff. They have that with Michael Feliz, who's pitched in the seventh. So Feliz is eventually going to get moved to the eighth. Edgar Santana has looked really good as of late. He's actually getting left-handers out. I think he can slot into the seventh with George Contos being in the middle relief. And you've got two long relievers that could be good. I mean, Stephen Brawl, as a reliever, has been excellent. You know, I, he wasn't good as a starting pitcher. I don't think he should ever be moved back into that role. And he had a really good outing yesterday in Chicago. And Tyler Glass now, for as big of a disaster as he is at times, he's actually shown potential at others. I mean, he, he can give you multiple innings. I think there's more there. So there's pieces. There's a much better foundation to this bullpen than I think anybody expected. Now it's going to be interesting to see how Musgrove fits in. I think he should go with the bullpen because if you put Musgrove in that bullpen with the other pieces they have, you would have a, a playoff caliber playoff caliber bullpen, in my opinion. Guys have to improve. You're relying on glass now, but there's that would really round things out. Now the starting rotation is, a, is, a, is also going to be a, a big question mark. Sure. You know, Jameson Tyon hasn't been the same pitcher the last couple of starts. Chad Cool is what he is, and Trevor Williams and Yvonne Nova, they rely on being perfect almost every all their starts. They need to get ground balls, and both of them giving up too many home runs. That's not a good recipe. What do you think about the lineup, the way it's constructed? Uh, while these bottom-of-the-lineup or middle-of-the-lineup guys are uh, having some success, I would consider moving them up. They've been pretty much static. They really have been static. Hurdle has all year long. Yeah, guys get comfortable in the spots. You know, guys are creatures of routine. They don't want to be moved out. They, you know, they, they kind of want to stay. And why mess up with something that's already working? 
But you're coming to the point, Adam, where your leadoff hitter hasn't been good. Adam Frazier just hasn't been producing at the plate. Gregory Polanco is way too streaky to be put in that number two spot. I mean, the number two spot in the lineup is the biggest run producer statistically. Uh, that's kind of what they came in thinking that Polanco could be that guy. But if you, how do you move guys around? You want to break up the right-handed and the left-handed bat. So it's not an easy solution. I mean, I've tried to piece it together multiple times on paper to see, okay, if you move Marte at the leadoff, you know, how does this work? But Marte hasn't been good in the leadoff spot. He's hitting well, you know, at third. Dickerson's doing really nicely behind Bell. So I understand Harold's logic, but I don't know how much longer they can go with Adam Frazier batting leadoff and even Gregory Plunko batting second. All right, now back to the thing you don't want to talk about. Let's get through it. Yeah, McCutcheon's a, coming back. We're talking a lot about it all weekend. Yeah, baby. Uh, it is going to be a weird environment at PNC Park. Certainly the players who are on the field don't deserve any of the vitriol that ownership does deserve, in my opinion. And yet I feel like a lot of that's going to break out this weekend. Uh, you know Andrew McCutcheon is going to get a huge ovation, and rightfully so. Uh, but I hope that it's not at the expense of not looking at what a guy like Corey Dickerson is doing. Uh, I think it's a disservice to him because he's having a hell of a year. I think it's a disservice to a lot of guys who have who have worked to improve. I mean, Francisco Cervelli, who was a disaster last season with the injuries, what he was able to do in the offseason. And, hey, as much as people are talking about Derek Cole and what he's doing in Houston is unbelievable, they, they got some nice pieces in that trade. I think ownership, maybe not, yeah, ownership and Neil Huntington, you know, made some mistakes maybe with how long they held on to McCutcheon. You know, it, they had to know that they weren't going to resign him, that they didn't want to pay the price it was going to take. To hold on to him for as long as they did and to get what they did in return, that was a huge mistake. You know, Kyle Crick might be okay. Brian Reynolds might be okay. But the, the face of the franchise, uh, Andrew McCutcheon, <laughs> has still looked really good this year despite the overall numbers. Uh, the discipline at the plate has been really good. Can you imagine Andrew McCutcheon in right field with Corey Dickerson left? Uh, that <laughs> with the way things have gone. Um, but it's going to be a different atmosphere at the ballpark because there's actually going to be people, people in the seats. I don't know. The, the ballpark's <laughs> been pretty empty this year for as well as the buyer has been playing. Uh, the one thing that's good for them is they're coming in with a winning streak. They're playing well. So as much as the noise, you know, will be probably annoying to some of them, they'll know that once the weekend is over, then the whole McCutcheon thing will be a past. Lance, uh, really love the stuff, man. Thank you so much for coming on, and have fun continuing your grind, even though the rest of us think baseball season just started. Hey, it's fine. Thanks for having me on. I'm sure that um, I know hockey's dead, but baseball's alive, so hey, hopefully I can join you guys again soon. You're going to join us every week. You just don't know it yet. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. Let's set something up then, Adam. Yeah, I'm sending the, I'm sending the uh, numbers your way right now, okay? Have your people call Tech My People or however the hell that works. Yeah, we can't. Well, we'd have to call. We can't text their people. We'd wind up in a Deadspin article. Hottest take of the day, other crap, and three stars of the show are next. It's ESPN Pittsburgh.
As a marketer, you want to reach everyone. Adults, teens, millennials. But it's not like these groups all hang out in the same place, right? Actually wrong. They're all right here listening to radio commercials just like this one. Radio ads connect with 93% of Americans every week. That's more than Google, more than Facebook, more than TV. In fact, radio reaches 20% more millennials than TV. Want more of the people you want to talk to all in one place? You want to get to iHeartMedia.com and get AMFM working for you. Why does Katie look so weird in this picture with Tom? <laughs> Is there sh- what? What? What are you saying? I thought better of it. Bitch. What? Not you, Cuddy. We were clapping along and he threw a little change up in there. That son of a gun. I'm exhausted. It's been a good show today, not my best. I think it's just because I'm tired, but it's not an excuse because the entire city of Pittsburgh's tired. Did you guys wake up at like 4.45 to that giant-ass oh, clap of thunder? That's exactly when I woke up. That I pooped. scared the hell out oh, of me. Oh my god. And the dogs... Like, for a second, I actually looked out and thought it hit a tree right next to my place. Like, I, 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 like I was a little bit worried. Like, I thought maybe a tree would come falling down or something. Wow. It was as loud as I've ever heard it. It was like around 440, 445, yeah. something like that. Yeah. And then there was driving rain. Yeah. It sounded awful. I was up for like another hour and a half after that, too, because I couldn't get to sleep. Dog was all crazy. Oh, yeah. Like, that, that just ruined the night. Yeah, I don't know if I ever really got fully back asleep. Then you wake up, it was beautiful. Yeah. So that was nice. Tom, did you wake up? Uh, at around like 11, yeah. It was gorgeous then. <laughs> Wait, work. you didn't? That, that oh, during the thunderstorm? Yeah. I thought you meant today at some point. No, obviously you woke up today. <laughs> yeah. Are you listening to the show? Half listening. <laughs> okay. It's in one ear and out the other. Okay. I did wake up to that thunderstorm, though. Yeah? Yeah. It was, you go, it you was go, scary stuff. Did you go right back to bed? And I started thinking of a bunch of like scary movie scenes in my head, and I just got <laughs> oh, no. way too terrified to sleep. Like pulling the like, covers over I your head? I was picturing like the conjuring possession scenes in my head, and I was just like, well, this is no fun at all. Movie that freaked you out the most in your life? The Conjuring is terrifying. Right? Oh, man. Like, it has to be a horror movie? No, or it just, just freaks you out. One that freaked you out. Like, Basketball Diaries freaked me out. What? Been in my crawl for a long time. What? Yeah. I don't know. It just did. Still freaks me out. <laughs> I just don't like that movie. Basketball Diaries. Yeah. Yeah, that's a scary movie. It is, dude. I mean, like, it, uh, you've seen it, right? Been a while. <laughs> I mean, it's like about a horrible heroin addiction and falling down and, like, it just freaked me out, man. Yeah, you why- asked. I don't, look, don't judge me. Why it freaked me out. Rent freaked me out. Rent? Yeah, same thing. Started thinking about how many days I had left to live and heroin and AIDS. It was awful. You asked, okay? Exorcism of Emily Rose freaked me out. Just the exorcist in general freaks me out. See, I thought, I mean, that freaked me out too, but I didn't want to be cliche. And the exorcism of Emily Rose, I mean, that chick is crawling 
backwards on the ceiling and her head spinning around. That movie's kind of off the radar, too. It is. But that stuff can't really happen. Basketball Tyrese Leo, Di- Leo DiCaprio sliding down a drug into drug induced like just problems all over the place. That can really happen. I lived it. I didn't live it, but it could have happened. I'm scared Leo. me. Triggered. It's time for the hottest take of the day. Day, day, day. <laughs> Matt Patricia. Oh, he had a bad path. Probably shouldn't have got into that with a jokey tone. In 1996, he was charged with sexual abuse. He was going to go to court. And then the woman who was accusing him stepped away because it was too hard for her. And this happens a lot. What I don't understand is how Colin Kaepernick doesn't have a job. And I don't want to make it about Kaepernick, but I think we can draw a a larger... uh, We can look at it through a larger lens here. He didn't have a job because he kneels down at the National Anthem. And this guy, 22 years ago, is getting charged with rape. And yet he's now the head coach of the Lions? How didn't they know? How didn't the Patriots know? How didn't the league know? How? Oh, we can't have this guy. It's a distraction for the team. He kneels during the National Anthem. But let's hire the coach who in 1996 might have raped someone. Great. Good job, League. Great job, Lions. Great job, Patriots. Woo! Other crap. Matt Patricia should use that pencil behind his ear to erase his past. Woo! Other crap. I don't want to draw any conclusions. Woo! Other crap. Pencil in the Lions for seven wins this year? Woo! Other crap. That was my number two choice for the job. Woo! Other crap. Your bread and butter is pencil jokes. Woo! Other crap. One of six people in the United States say they would have sex with a robot. Oh my god, I just got a hard drive. Woo! Other crap. I wonder if she does it in the USB port. Woo! Other crap. Where will she take my download? Woo! Other crap. I'd love to Google her. Woo! Other crap. She better not be hot. Damn it. Woo! Other crap. She better be hot or I'll wind up with a floppy disk. Woo! Other crap. Better use virus protection. Woo! Other crap. Just another notch on the keyboard. Woo! Other crap. The Astros turned a 5-4 triple play. It was out of this world. Woo! Other crap. The Celtics beat the Sixers. Guess it's all part of the process. Woo! Other crap. Hey, LeBron, process that. Woo! Other crap. Yeah, nice hairline, man. Woo! Other crap. It's been 428 days since Pitt Basketball's won a conference game.
Can't believe I messed up the floppy disk joke. Time for the three stars of the show. Third star. Tonight's third star of the show, Lance Lasowski. It's going to be a different atmosphere at the ballpark because there's actually going to be people in the seats. I don't know. The, the ballpark's <laughs> been pretty empty this year for as well as the buyer's been playing. Second star. Tonight's second star of the show, Josh Getzoff. Are you putting me in a position to pull a Phil Kessel or something like that right now? Is that what you're saying? I think you did pull a Phil Kessel, and now we're calling you on it like we're calling Dunlap, baby. <laughs> Oh, man. Am I on the air right now? Yeah, you're on the air. Oh, I love it. That's awesome. Uh, yeah. No. <laughs> I'm thinking to myself, this is definitely live right now, so I'm glad I thought that. And, uh, yeah, sorry for not getting back to you yesterday. Honest mistake. That's uh, excuses. Like... Phone. You know, you're, you, you hit the star <laughs> in your phone in the contacts. Adam Crowley pops up, so I apologize for that. First star. And tonight's first star of the show, well, Chicago Cubs broadcaster, oh, yep. Harry Carey. He's going to do this one longer than the other ones watching. Oh, it's going to be so long. Yeah. It's going to be long. Going and going. And it never shuts up. Yeah. Big Harry fan, Tom is. Yeah. Tiger has spent more time in the woods today than he spends inside of a Denny's waitress. He's plus one right now. Hey, Adam, if you were playing at TPC Sawgrass, would you rather shoot six under or get your leg eaten by an alligator? And remember, keep it quiet. They're golfing. I'd rather shoot six under. Good point. Although I think both sides have a fair argument. Hey, one of my favorite parts of this course is the island green. I love islands, especially how they're surrounded by water. But I'm also terrified by them because I can't swim. Yeah, that was a show today. That happened to all of you. We did it. That's Brian, Tom behind the glass. <laughs> I'm not comfortable with you introducing. Brian LaMartina. It's weird. It's weirding me out. I'm waiting for the music. Yeah, hit it. Tomorrow on the show, a serious conversation about race and Mike Tomlin with Tom Janode. From the undefeated. It's going to be a Friday, too. We're going to have a winner in Winnipeg and Nashville tonight. Will Phil Kessel have spoken by tomorrow? Speaked? Spoken? Speaketh? Whatever. We'll be here. Four to seven. ESPN Pittsburgh.